you are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper. You're in for a treat. We're excited about what God has in store for us today. And our, our key scripture is Hebrews 11, chapter 1, out of the Amplified Version. Now faith. Say now faith. Is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. This is my favorite part. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And today, the word that God wants to give you today is he wants to give you a recipe for a miracle. Who needs a miracle in this place? Does anybody need a miracle? Well, God is ready to give you that thing today. You are not here by accident. This is a divine appointment. And if you engage your faith, when you go home from your trip, however long it is, with expectation, the miracle has already taken place on your behalf. Are you ready to receive? Amen. Well, I just want you to turn to your neighbor and say, let's get cooking. Now, now, now turn to the other neighbor, the one that didn't smell as good or look as good, and tell them, let's get cooking. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that your spirit is here. Your word is anointed. You've anointed me, and our ears are anointed to receive. Spirit of the living God, let this word be like an arrow pointed towards the bullseye of our heart. Speak directly to our situation. God, we're here. We're ready to receive, and we simply expect you to do what only you can do in this place, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, whoa, that's, that's, that was like a roar of an amen. Mm. So listen, you know, my, my favorite restaurant is Maggiano's. Just for, for those of you that, that, you know, don't know, my favorite restaurant is Maggiano's. If you've never been, it is a fantastic place. My favorite dish at Maggiano's is baked ziti. So I love the baked ziti. Now I got to be real with you. What I love about Maggiano's is this. Maggiano's has a five-star look with a two-star price because I'm cheap, y'all. I'm cheap. So I'm just makes me feel like I'm important when I walk in and, and all of that. But but what I love at Maggiano's is that baked ziti. It is fantastic. And so me and Ange would go there when we were in Chicago, when we're here, and, and it's just baked goodness. Whoa. Just give me a moment. I can see it right. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. So then... So I said, you know what, since I like it so much, I'm going to make it at home. Yeah. Got the iPod, I got the iPad out, got the directions together, made it. Angel and the kids tried it. Womp, womp, womp. I'm like, this don't taste like Maggiano. Shut up and eat it. No. But I'm like, wow. So I realized I was missing something. A very important ingredient that was missing from the meal. I was missing Italian seasoning. It's crazy, isn't it? An Italian meal, and I missed Italian seasoning. But, you know, hey, I'm a rookie at this. I was trying. But I made it. That happened. 
put the Italian seasoning. It was so good. Mm, magnifique. But here's the thing that I, I realized. When I tasted Italian seasoning by itself, Lee, it's not a good taste. It has a weird aftertaste to it. just doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. But when I mix it in with all the other ingredients, man, it's creamy goodness. It's just sweet. And I learned this is the same thing with life. See, when you take isolated incidents all by themselves and you look at them by the the only thing that that is, it it looks like it's it's just horrible. It's messed up. You can't get past it. It jacks you up. But but, but when when God begins to mix in all the other stuff that he can do, it begins to make that thing that you thought would destroy you turn your life around. Can I get a witness? God is a God. It's like Romans 8 and 28 that God works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Not just good things, but bad things. Those mistakes that you made, those bad decisions that you had. God takes all of that, puts it together, and makes something beautiful out of it. And I, I learned this. It's like it says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 that God makes all things beautiful in his time whatever that thing is he's making it beautiful in his time and 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 what what i found is this because what if your biggest heartbreak your biggest embarrassment and your biggest mistake was actually your biggest blessing what if that thing you're beating yourself up about the thing that shame is trying to kill you, guilt is trying to take you out. And God's like, if you put that thing in with the, my grace and my mercy and my kindness and my love and you mix that thing all together, I'm going to turn it into something beautiful for you. Everybody talks about, God, I need a breakthrough. Give me a breakthrough. I want a breakthrough. This is what I've learned about breakthroughs. You can't have a breakthrough without a breakdown. Something has to break down for you to have a breakthrough. Maybe your marriage broke down. Maybe your job broke down. Maybe your kids are breaking down. (laughs) My God, maybe your car just broke down. Wherever there is a breakthrough, there has to be a breakdown. That is a prerequisite for every breakthrough. Something had to mess up, get jacked up, and get tangled up. But what I love about my God, see, he's my God today. I, you can loan, I'll loan him out to you from time to time. But I call him my father, not our father. I'm working on my selfishness. Help me out. Because I make it personal. My God is the master of turning my worst circumstances into my greatest victories. He can do it. Won't he do it? (laughs) My God is a God of miracles. And for every miracle that takes place, there has to be an impossibility. You can't have a miracle without an impossibility. So while you're crying out, God, give me a miracle... You're crying out you need a miracle because you have something that's impossible in your life for you to move and to take care of. Think about this. Here's what a miracle is. A miracle is an extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. 
It is an event manifesting God on your behalf and considered God's hand at work on your behalf. So here, here are the things that qualify you for a miracle. You've done all you know to do. You're out of options. No human effort can get you out of this. Has anybody ever been there besides me? I did all I knew to do. All my options are limited. No, I'm sorry, not limited. Gone. And I, in human effort, have no way to get myself out of this situation. But what I've learned about God is this. When I feel like there's no way out, God has millions of ways out. And all I got to do is stay in faith and believe. Because if you, if you have any of those things going on, you are a prime candidate for a miracle. I want you to say to yourself, say, I am a prime candidate for a miracle. I want you to say it again and say it from your heart. I am a prime candidate for a miracle. And I receive it right now. In Jesus' name. Now give God a praise for it. Because here's what. If you don't believe in miracles, you can't have a miracle. And you think that you're the only way out, then you're the only way out. But I've learned to believe for the impossible, the unthinkable, the unimaginable in my life. The Bible tells Stories all throughout woven in, and we think, oh, that just happened. You think that car just missed you? You you think that they just happened to call you about a job that you don't have the education or qualification for? You think that your book was picked up over everybody else by happenstance? No, I serve a God who sits high, looks low, and waiting to find someone he can show himself. He is waiting to find somebody I can show off on behalf of. And all he's wanting is somebody to believe him, stand on his word. The the Bible says that, that, that Paul would walk around and people would be healed just by being in the shadow. The Bible tells the story of Jesus being at a party. Now listen, it's a party, not the club. There's a distinction. (laughs) Just just want to help you in case you think you're going to start the club ministry. Hold up, player. Hold up. (laughs) He was at a party, a wedding feast, and all the wine was gone, and there was just water left. And his mother came over to him and said, uh, Jesus, all the wine's gone. He said, what you, what, what you looking at me for? He said, it's not even my time to show up yet like that. Wouldn't you like your kids to be Jesus? I mean, for real. You can just go to your kid. Listen, I don't have a car payment this month. Can you make that manifest for me right now? Uh, the mortgage, I'm a little short on today. Can you go out there and make fish spit up some money for me today? I mean, my God, that would be an amazing thing. But here it is, Jesus. He's like, all right, all right, Mom, Mary, I, I got you. And he turned water into wine. The fermenting process, those of you that know, 
The fermenting process for wine is not a week or a month or even a year. It is years for wine to become wine. But in just one moment, Jesus turned what would take years to happen into seconds to happen because my God is a God of miracles. And I want to tell you this story. It's, it's from the first Kings chapter 17, verses six or seven through 16. And it's about Elijah. Elijah was running from Jezebel and he was under a tree and discouraged without and God supernaturally provided him food from a raven and water from a brook. But in verse seven, it says that sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And it says, then the word of the Lord came. Say the word of the Lord. And he, it said, the word said, go once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you food. In one version, it says, I've commanded. In another version, it says, in the good news version, it says, I've instructed. Now, let me give you context because a widow in, the, in that time of, of antiquity is not looked upon favorably. She can't go out and do what men can do to make a living. She is stuck without a husband. And the Bible says she's a widow, but God told her to feed the prophet when he comes. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, that widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little jar, you know, water in a little jar so I may drink? And she's yeah, I got you. Bring you some water. And she's walking away and he's like, oh, oh, by the way, can, can I have some bread too? I'm a little hungry. I'm a little famished. She said, now listen, player, wait a minute. That's, that's North St. Louis vernacular for you must be crazy. And then she's like, yeah, I got water, but food? Let me tell you my story. You don't you, it's like, don't we just love to tell our stories? You ask, you got a homeless person, you asking me for a dollar? Let me, let me tell you what I got waiting on me at home. She's like, man of God, you asking me for bread? I was about to go home. Take those sticks that you saw me gathering, make my last meal. So that me and my son could die. See, here's how God is. Because the Bible says he instructed her, he commanded her, he, he prepared her in advance for what was about to happen. Doesn't say that a raven came or an angel came, just said that he already told her this was coming. Then he sent the prophet to confirm what he was saying to her in her own heart. And now she has a decision to make. See, this is, this is what we got to understand if you want to position yourself for a miracle. Here is God taking a woman who has next to nothing and saying, I want you to take your next to nothing and supply somebody who has less than nothing with what they need. Doesn't that sound cray cray? I mean, crazy? But see, what I've learned about God is this. Your step 
into the supernatural, into the miraculous power of God will take something that does not make human sense to get there. It did not, listen, it almost seemed wrong and unfair. Here is a single mom doing the best that she can, about ready to give up on life altogether, and God says, take what you do have and give it to somebody else. But I've learned this about God. When God is asking me for something, he's not trying to take away. He's creating space so he can give me increase. See, whatever God spoke to you like during the offering or whatever he told you to give, and you're like, God, I can't do that. We do it like this. I got $100 on me. He says, give $5 to the homeless person down the street. Oh, Lord, okay, that's good. I got that right now. Okay, here you go. You give them $5. But you got that same $100. And he says, give that homeless person $99. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Wait. I had plans for this. I had plans for this $99. But what you don't understand is that $99 seed was about to open up $1,000 for you, $10,000 for you, $100,000 for you. Because God isn't asking you. God doesn't need our money, our resources, or our car. What he's trying to do is get something to us. And it says that the woman, she replied with all of this. And Elijah said, listen, don't fear. The opposite, the antithesis of faith is fear. Don't be led by your fear. Be led by what God told you. That's a word for somebody. Don't be led by your fear. Be led by what God told you. And, and, and she says, all right. He says, go do what you were going to do. But he says, make mine first. And that was representing, see, I believe that thought was representing the tithe. He was like, God's, because he's representing God, give me mine first. And then he has a promise. Give me mine first. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the land. And the woman did according to what Elijah said and the word of God came to pass in her life. And listen, remember how wine takes years to ferment? You don't make flour in a moment. Wheat has to grow, has to go through a process of being uh, drilled down to a powder. And then the olive oil has to grow, and that has to go through a process. But God can do in a moment what it would take years for somebody else to take care of. All you got to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. And our challenge is we've stopped believing in miracles. We believe that, okay, God, you told me to start this or do this. Let me go out and get a second job first. Let me go out and try and get a loan first. Let me go out and try and make this happen. I love this statement that people make because when they tell me it, I just laugh at them. And this is a teaching moment. When people tell me I'm about to go make faith moves, I'm like, boy, you better sit down. 
There, you don't just go make faith move. Faith isn't me moving and saying, God, you're obligated to move on my behalf. Faith is God told me to do it, and my faith is in his word, so I'm going to do what he told me to do. And because I'm doing what he told me to do, he's responsible to bring about what he told me to do. That business that he told you to start, he didn't tell you first to go get a loan. He told you to start the business. If he told you to start the business, he's going to give you the resources, the money, the connections, the network, and everything needed to start the business. When he told you to write the book. He didn't tell you to write the book and go out and take a mortgage on your home. He told you to write the book. And if you believe that he told you, all you got to do is write the book. He'll connect you with the publisher. Miracle working power. That's the God that we serve. And when God tells us to do something, it's his responsibility to bring it to pass. But we stop believing in miracles and we think we got to do it ourselves. We have humanized divinity. I love this story. This hippie was on the bus and he was reading the Bible and he was very interested in what he was reading. And as he's reading it, he says, Praise the Lord, hallelujah. And the skeptic sitting next to him said, What'd you read? He says, I just read that God parted the Red Sea for Moses. The skeptic is like, you can't believe everything in the Bible. I heard, you know, I, I love people that say, I heard. Who'd you hear it from? <laughs> or when they say, they said, who are they and why should I listen to them? But he says, I heard that the Red Sea was only six inches deep. I'm trying to discourage the young man in his faith. And he, he's like, okay, yep. The, the young man was a little discouraged, a little put back by it. The skeptic is like, yeah, I just got you. But the young man keeps reading. As he's reading, he says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Skeptic comes back and is like, what now? He says, God drowned the whole army of Egypt in six inches of water. <laughs> working God. You say it was only six inches. All right, well, here's a whole army full of grown men that got drowned in six inches. Because, listen, the enemy will always try to discredit or discount what God has said to you. And he will use people to do it. Our God is a miracle working God. And so, as I land this, I want to give you these three ingredients for the recipe of miracles. The first ingredient is this. Walk by faith in the word. Walk by faith in the word. The, the, the Elijah's time with the widow, there were no Bibles. So the prophet was the representative of God. He was God's word to the people. So when he told her, give your last and God will fill these jars up until rain comes, that was as if the written word was speaking to her. And as she did it by faith, it opened her up for the miraculous. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things hoped for, that we hope for, being the proof. What? What's the proof? Faith is the proof. 
Uh, not, not, not my bank account is the proof. Not the condition of my job being the proof. Not the way my kids are acting being the proof or my husband's acting. The proof is faith. That's my proof. And it's like proof of what we can't see and the conviction of its reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what's not revealed to my five senses. Faith saying I am more real than your taste, your touch, your smell, your sight, your hearing. As a matter of fact, if you can see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, or hear it, it doesn't require faith because you can see it. And what happens is faith tells us to go left. Our senses tell us to go right. And we've got to get God's word in our heart in such a way that it gets out of our mind and into our heart that the reality of God's word becomes bigger than what we see. See, by faith, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to Isaac when there was no human way possible at 100 years old and 90 years old that that could have happened. By faith, Moses parted the Red Sea with a stick. By faith, David killed a giant with a rock. And I love this quote about faith. Faith is the partnership of humanity and divinity to bring possibilities into the earth. Faith is the partnership. See, see, you're praying and asking God to do it, begging God to do it. God's like, no, 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 no. This is a partnership. I'm not doing it without your participation. You're going to have to participate in your own deliverance. It isn't going to happen outside of you. It was a few years ago. Well, more than a few, I guess 2003. I was in a van accident about two weeks before the sports program that I used to lead here started. Because I, you, know, you may not know this, but I started here as a member. I came in as a member hurting, broken, Lost. They brought me on staff about four months later to run the sports program here, and I ran it for years. And I remember two weeks before the sports program was about to kick off, I had on my way to church, hit a, a sheet of ice, ended up sliding into the curb, and my van flipped over three times. I walked away, no scratches, nothing. But if that was all, I'd have been cool. But the car was, or the van was totaled, and they left me with a $7,000 deficiency balance that I still had to take care of while having to go out and get another car. So I had a plan. I just pay a certain amount of money a month along with the new car note till that time had come about. But I had gotten a loan through my job at the time. And so I'm thinking, man, I don't have $7,000 to pay this, and I need to get another car. I think they might fire me. So the vice president calls me into his office and says, Tony, do you have the $7,000 to pay for the deficiency balance on what's left of the car? And I'm like, nah. He says, well, here's what I'll do for you. You write me out a check for $89 and I'll... (laughs) You write me out a check for $89 and I'll wipe the $6,000 or so away. I had a plan where I was going to pay it off in six years. God paid it off 
In six months, no. Six weeks, no. Six minutes, he paid it all. My God is a miraculous God. I'm not telling you what I read. I'm telling you what I've lived. When you stand in faith and you do what God says do, God is in the miracle working business. But it's by faith. It's by faith. See, if you give up, he can't work for you. That first day when that van went down, I was in tears. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. But see, God was the one that told me to work for the church. God was the one that told me to start the program. Since I'm walking with God and doing what God said to do, it was God's responsibility to remove every obstacle, issue, and problem getting in the way of me fulfilling his call. And he does that for all of us. I am nobody special. I am, you're just as much an heir to God's kingdom as I am. Then the second thing I learned through this woman is that it says, walk by faith in God's word by surrendering your plan. See, that's the hard part. Because you already got it worked out. You already got the paperwork rolling. You already got the stuff in play. You've already reasoned your way. Do you know what I've learned? When I get into reasoning and trying to figure it out, I am out of faith. That's going to help somebody right now. When you are sitting around trying to figure it out, trying to think of different ways to get out of your mess, you've now stepped out of faith and you're into reasoning. And reasoning is an ability of the mind, not an ability of the spirit. Revelation is an ability of the spirit. And I'll, I'll show you this in, fur or in Proverbs 19 and 21. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. But God's purposes prevail. See, we're trying to figure it out when God's already worked it out. And all I got to do is tap into him. See, in that moment, I knee-jerk reactions and the bill comes. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, let me move this around. Let me play three-quart molly with my finances. I'll move this around and that around. I'll rob Peter to pay Paul, and I'll do this. And what we do is we make prayer a last resort instead of a first response. And when something comes your way, we got to step back for a moment and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? God, what should I do? And you got to step back and not move. This is the test. Not move until you get an answer. But God, I only got six hours left. I'm going to stay right here until you answer me. Because he said, if you need wisdom, I'll give it to you liberally without fault finding. He says, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, I will direct and make straight and plain your path. So therefore, God, I'm coming to you in the name that is above every name, Jesus. I need wisdom, insight, and discernment. And then after you're done saying that, I thank you right now. You've given me the wisdom. You've given me the insight. But you can't do that. If you're holding on to your plan, it is a place that I like to call becoming neutral. It is a place of being neutral where it's like, God, I'm not holding on to my plan. I'm laying my plan on the altar. 
And what, if, if you want to go left, I'm going left. If you want to go right, I'm going right. But I'm not going to go any way that you don't want me to go, God. I lay, I become neutral right now. You know when you shift the car in neutral, it can go front or back. But when you push drive or reverse, you've made a definitive decision to go in a direction. I shift my heart into neutral. And I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. What are you going to say? What, what are you going to do? So you got to surrender your plan. And then the last one. It says, we'll walk by faith in God's word by surrendering your plan and doing your part. See, that's obedience. You're waiting on God. God said, I've been waiting on you. This just came to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God is touched by your tears, but he's only moved by your faith. He is the type of father that when you cry, he is right there with you, wrapping his spiritual arms around you. Matter of fact, when you cry, he is sending angels to minister to you like they did Jesus when he was at the Garden of the Gethsemane. But he's sending them to you. But he says, I just need you to open your mouth and say something faith-filled. I just need you to get into my word and say something faith-filled. The angels standing by with their arms folded. And I'm like, just say something with faith. Because God told us that when you say his word, it's like you. It's like him saying his word. And they're watching over his word to perform it. Come on. I know you're crying. I know you're complaining. We can't do anything with a complaint. Come on. Just say one word. Come on. Say it. By, by his stripes, I'm healed. Come on. Just say that word. No, no, no. Say it. Come on. I just, I just need you to say something faith-filled. Say, say, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. The angels are like, come on. Give me something to work with. I can't move until you say something. I can't. I know you need me. I'm right here. Say something that gives me the opportunity to move. And it is in that place of obedience to God's word that El Shaddai shows up. You say, well, what is El Shaddai? El Shaddai is a name for God that means all sufficient one I am all sufficient but God you don't understand I only have a couple of days until this situation is taking place I'm not some sufficient I'm all sufficient but God you don't understand my marriage is on the rocks and I think it's over no 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 sweetheart I am all sufficient My child is going in a direction that I don't want them to go in. God, I don't know what to do. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm all sufficient. All means what? All. There is no situation or circumstance that's greater than me. There is no thing that you're walking through that I can't get you out. There is no decision that I can't unwind for you. Listen, you've made mistakes and you've done some things wrong, but at the moment you repent, I act on your behalf as if nothing happened. Give me something to work with. I have a miracle in store for you if 
you let me. When you walk by faith, surrender your plan. And you do your part, there is nothing I won't do for you. See, you hear people say God is able. He is able. But for me, I don't question his ability. I questioned his willingness. He's not only able, he's willing to do it for you right where you are in your mess. I want to read this to you as I close. It's called The Recipe for a Miracle. One cup tension, two cups stress, one teaspoon of guilt, two heaping cups of limited time, three tablespoons of urgency, and the dash of no other choice, three heaping cups of faith, fold the ingredients gently into a bowl, mix them vigorously, and add a few tears. You'll sweat a little as you knead the dough. Pack it firmly between your hopes and your dreams and form it into a perfect little ball. Sprinkle it with a little faith, rolling the ball into flour until fully covered. Place it under a veil of faith and allow it to rise. Put it in an oven that has been preset at the perfect temperature for the heat of trials and tribulations. Allow it to burn under the warmth of God's love. Remove after due season and allow to cool in the confidence of his promise. Garnish with your praise. Arrange neatly on a platter of thankfulness. Serve to friends, family, and oh yes, strangers invite them too. Pass on the recipe to all who request it. And let them know what this recipe is. It is the makings of a miracle. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. That's your daddy. That's your father. That's your supplier. That's your Jehovah Jireh. That's your Jehovah Rapha. That's your Jehovah Nisi. Didn't you enjoy that word? If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. services. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.